From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Do you ever get overwhelmed? Do you ever feel completely buried and behind? Like you'll never be caught up. Like you'll you'll never get things back under control. Like you'll you're you're just always losing uh, with the amount of stuff there is to do. That's what we're talking about today. And my guest Carrie Wilkerson is a really interesting lady, and she has a great story, and she's made some really major transformation in her life. And she's got some concepts here that I think you're going to find powerful if you struggle with not only being busy, but the stress and the pressure of feeling behind. Um, specifically, the that is what we're talking about. It's really about the emotional side of time management and productivity, um, but but not it's not about getting stuff done. It's about how do you manage the emotions of the worry and the fear and the guilt of never being able to to keep up with everything that you're you're asked to do. So if that is you, this episode is totally for you. And I think you're going to have some big light bulbs. I'm going to distill what Carrie and I talk about down to five simple points after things that you can take immediate action on. So this is a big one for your mental health. We'll get started just after this special message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Carrie Wilkerson, my new friend, who I don't know how we haven't met until now because everybody that I know knows her and everybody's like, have you met Carrie? She's amazing. Like, she's awesome. And anyways, I'm meeting her now and I'm finding out just right before we started the recording that she used to work with Mary Kay, those several of the nationals there and and has a real strong connection to all those those lovely people over at Mary Kay. And and in the last, you know, several years or few years, she has become, you know, just one of the world's, I think, most popular thought leaders. I mean, she's a social media celebrity. Uh, she's been on CNN and Fox News, and uh, she's kind of done like uh, marketing things with uh John Maxwell and the Ziegler family and just a whole bunch of, of really awesome stuff. And she's the author of a book that is called the barefoot executive. And, uh, I just, I think she's really cool and I wanted to have a chat. So Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So can you tell me your story a little bit? Like I, cause I kind of go, you know, wow, you, you know, Dave Ramsey and Zig Ziglar and John Maxwell and, and Michael Hyatt and all these just wonderful people. Can you just give us a little bit of, of background on how you got started and how you ended up where you are now? Um, yeah, it's a long story, but, um, 
the <laughs> it takes time. It's a it's a marination. It's a crockpot story. But uh, the fact is, when I was in seventh grade, um, I had a teacher who was in Zig Ziglar's Sunday school class. Oh. Believe it or not, and so she studied with him every week. He created a junior high curriculum because that's when self esteem uh, can be changed in kids but is typically solidified in kids. And he created a self-esteem curriculum for junior highs. It was not wide, widely adopted. So he was beta testing it with a few people in his Sunday school class. And I was blessed enough to be introduced to Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar the concept of stinking thinking and goal setting and creating your own life by what you think and changing your results by changing your mind. And that was seventh grade. So um, I remember that very distinctly. And then, of course, I went through high school. I always was a little more positive than the average bear, I'd say. But uh, then went to college. After college, started in my typical track, right? Did some government work, did some corporate work, taught in the education system, and then adopted two kids that changed my life literally mm. overnight. And I said, I'm, I'm a smart girl. I have a lot of qualifications. Um, I have these two kids that I've chosen to parent and I've chosen uh, to bring into my house. They've had a rough start. I need to be here with them. However, there has got to be a way to make some money at home. And I started studying sales and uh, guess whose name pops up again? Zig Ziglar. Right. Zig Ziglar started studying leadership with John Maxwell. Um, I started a Mary Kay career, um, which I was in Mary Kay sales for three years. And then I created a publishing company, which served Mary Kay people on the leadership level, owned that for 10 years before I sold it so that I could pursue the barefoot executive. And, um, and I would say the way I know people and the way I get connected is very intentionally. I have a list mm. of things to accomplish in a certain amount of time. I have a list of people I choose to intentionally have in my circle. And then because we know how the brain works, that the brain seeks to solve problems that you give it. Mm -hmm. um, when we think negatively or think, oh, that'll never happen or I'll never meet them, then your brain doesn't look for reasons to make it happen. And so it believes you. But when you say, I'm going to at some point work with Zig Ziglar, speak on stage with Zig Ziglar, uh, be endorsed by Dave Ramsey, you know, be noticed by John Maxwell, your brain goes to work to solve those things. And then when you physically and emotionally invest in opportunities to do so, uh, that's when you become lucky. <laughs> and I use lucky sarcastically because I don't think anything I ever have done is lucky, but, um, I've been very intentional. So that's how I got in those circles. I was published by Thomas Nelson who publishes those guys. So, um, they became aware of my work. And, um, now I was on Dave Ramsey's Entre Leadership show recently. I'll be a recurring guest on there. He's endorsed my book. And we have a lot of the same mutual friends, which leads to other mutual friends, but that's how that happens. So I have intentional goals about places to speak and companies to speak for and companies to work with sales forces. And then your mind goes to work, you know, in effective ways to make that happen. Yeah. I, I've heard before that the, the human mind doesn't de delineate at all between positive and negative. It just does whatever you tell it to do. And so when you set it in a direction, much like a computer, it works to just, it's going to continue stewing on whatever that thing is until it finds a resolution. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about, um, 
in like productivity specifically, I mean, a lot of people who tune into this, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're so freaking busy. We never have enough time. Um, it doesn't seem like, and I think margin is what people are after, or even just maybe not even margin, but just peace, like feeling like I, I have a grip on the projects that are in my queue. And I, I, I have a relative level of control or awareness of everything. Like, I feel like everything that I have a responsibility for is being taken care of. So like, what do you think are some of the mistakes? Because I know that you, you're reading about productivity, writing about it, talking about it. And I'm just kind of curious for your take on what do you think is causing this overwhelm or what do you think are, are some of the mistakes that people are making when it comes to, you know, making the most out of their time every day? Um, <clears throat> that's a great question. I think we are too available. Bottom line is we're too available. Um, our ego um, insists that we be available at the touch of a text or Facebook mm -hmm. or phone call or email. And we don't guard our time and energy and space as well as we would if we had a physical office with a door on it. We take the office home with us. And for some of us, that's necessary at certain times. For some of us, we've sold ourselves the lie that that makes us more flexible. And that's certainly true. I have four kids. Um, and so sometimes at the playground, you know, I'm one of the moms probably that people try to shame on Facebook. Like there was a mom that had her kids at the playground and she was staring at her phone the whole time. Well, mm -hmm. that's, that may be because I'm homeschooling my kids three days a week. And so we took a break and they know that because I've been so available to them all morning, that that's my like one hour that I'm going to need to answer emails and let them run off some energy so we can go back and get back to it. You know, so sometimes it does let me be more flexible but a lot of times we just feel like we have to be responding to the urgent because nobody can handle it like us. Um, but unless you're in an organ business, a transplant business, a blood supply business, most of us are not in a life urgent situation thing where we can't step away from availability for two or three hours. But what we're seeing in um, brain research is that availability and electron connection. So internet connectivity, phone connectivity actually functions with many humans, much like a hit of an addictive substance. Right. So we literally have addicted ourselves to where we have shakes and tremors or shortness of breath when we are not like, have you, if you've lost your phone around your house and then had a panic attack because of that, that you might have a problem, right? So I think that that's part of it. We, we are not guarding our availability. We are not turning selves off and I'm not preaching and saying you're not available enough for your kids or you're not available. Enough. you know, I'm not saying there's any magical balance. I'm saying we have to get over ourselves a little bit and so, step away and, and put up a, a few more boundaries to protect our health, our wellness, our energy, our capacity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you haven't, I mean, boundaries is a good book to read by Dr. Cloud. And then also essentialism was a big one from Greg McEwen, who we had on the show not too long ago. But so I actually want to go on something you said, because you talked about our ego insists that we're available. And I think you, you hit that pretty well. Um, and I agree with you. And the part I want to dive in on your story is the part where you said, I'm one of the moms 
that they shame on the playground probably because they look at me and I'm checking my phone. And I think it's so ironic because even in your own story that you're telling, there's two sides. One is the ego of like, I need to be available for people. They need me right now. I I'm, I'm only a good, like, like I'm, I'm, a I'm more important if I'm more available. But the other part that you brought up that I don't think we talk as much about is, is kind of that guilt of like, you know, oh, well, you're a workaholic or you're never available. So how do you, how do you find peace about that? Like being at the playground is such a good example. Like, you know, there somebody at some point, if you're there every day doing that, like you're going to be judged. How do yeah. you resolve that? Well, if, first of all, you, you got to not care as much. I mean, as long as my kids and I have the conversation and my kids know I'm available, um, then, then that's important. What I do know in my own self and in my own skin is that we just walked away from five hours of focused math reading, uh, at snack time and breakfast together. We maybe even woke up and snuggled together and watched a cartoon before we started. And so then that's the one hour that I've worked that day. So people that are putting that in their own context are projecting their own thoughts onto that. Mm. That can't be my problem. That can't be my business. Um, one thing I love to say about balance and success just in general is it's in the eye of the beholder, meaning me, I get to define what balance looks like for me. My balance is going to look different than your balance. I have four kids ranging from age nine to 21, one with special needs. We do a combination of private school, college, homeschool, and public school. We're involved in theater arts and tumbling and, uh, very active in our church life and immediate family, et cetera, et cetera. So mine's going to look different than yours. And that's okay. We've got to quit expecting everyone to fit into a formula and judging them. If they don't, we've got to worry more about it, the business in our own life than everybody else's business. And that is for to stop worrying about them judging. But then it also means we've got to stop comparing comparison will steal your joy. It's suicide on the installment plan. It will defeat you every time. It will either defeat you or give you false pride, mm -hmm. period. So we've got to stop comparing. We've got to stop looking at that woman on the playground and going, well, at least I'm not checking my phone or playing Candy Crush while I'm on the playground, you know, and then giving myself false pride because I'm more present and attentive when the truth is, that woman might be working 50 hours a week away from home. And that's the only time she has. And that's great. This other woman might be with her kids 24 seven, and this is her only break. So we just have to stop the comparison and the judging. And we have to have the conversation with our kids, the conversation with our spouse, our business partner, our coworkers, and say, what works for us? What looks like peace and balance and joy for us? What helps me bring value into the world with our clients, coworkers, team, employers? Um, what what does that look like? And then you have to be okay being judged. You know, I mean, if I was worried about being judged, I wouldn't be online. I wouldn't, you know, have pictures or videos or posts online because I know I get so many private messages and texts and emails that I can only imagine what the people are not saying because there are enough of them that are bold enough to say it, um, <laughs> yeah. right? We've just got to stop, especially women. To be to be fair, we're judged even more than the men. And that's not a martyr statement. It just is what it is statement. Um, so, so we have to quit worrying about what the woman at the playground thinks. And if she does make a comment, you can respond with grace and say, um, this is what works for our family. Thank you for being concerned. I can see them. You know. Well, I think the part, the, 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 
the power, one of the powerful things that you said there is even just being aware of the fact that when people judge you, it's not even because they're judgmental or they're mean or whatever. It's simply that they're putting you in the context of their own story. Yes. They're putting that particular scene, they're, they're relating it to the only thing they can relate it to, which is themselves. And so right. they're seeing that they kind of respond as, Hey, that is unacceptable. Um, and that's what they're, they're that's what they're speaking out of because they've internalized it. And it, which, which really speaks to the fact they're not even really talking to you. They're really talking right. to an imaginary version of themselves almost. Right. Right. And we have to be okay with that. We have to quit defending. We have to just go, you know, thank you for your feedback. We do what works for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you, 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 you're, you quit defending and you quit being upset by it and you quit um, being mad about it and you, you quit worrying about it. Meanwhile, it's like you're, you're accepting the feedback as, you know, maybe it's a gift from God to just be always holding yourself in check about, you know, am, am, am I, am I accomplishing, you know, am I spending the the time that I need with the people that I want? But like you said, I think it comes down to defining your own picture of success and the, the, your kids are the ones that it's their feedback that really matters to you. Right. And there's one more point that goes with that. A lot of us are not doing something because we're afraid of the invisible audience. Mm. So the invisible audience is a concept that um, starts when we're preteens. So for instance, my nine-year-old could care less what other people think about how she dresses or what she does or what she eats or what she says. She's in this really great state of that. Once you hit like 11, there's this invisible audience of everybody will be laughing at me. Mom, don't kiss me in front of my friends. What will they say? It's the invisible they. It's the every Everybody. It's the, everybody says when really it was one kid that made some kind of snarky comment that may or may not even have been taken out of context. Well, with social media and with our own, you know, self-imposed narcissism and worry and uh, fear of judgment because of how judgmental we are of everyone else, uh, this is now carrying into adulthood. We, I think we used to outgrow this, but now we carry around this invisible audience with us everywhere. And I think for a lot of us, it is sabotaging great work we mm. can do or bold moves we can make or big asks we can ask or uh, creativity that we can express because we are prejudging, right? Those of us that have been in sales or in ministry, we get the like, oh, they're not going to be open to that or they're not going to whatever. We prejudge. So we're familiar on, on those terms, but we're like, oh, nobody would like it if I did that. Or what would they say if I cut my hair that way? Or And so we're not doing this big work or or playing full out because we're so afraid of they, of them. And so it kind of works both ways. Number one, we have to be okay with the fact that they're judging when we are making some moves, but we also have to not be afraid to take those steps, to speak up at the meeting at work, to wear the different color than you normally do, or go to lunch with somebody that you see being shunned or whatever that is. I think many of us are depriving ourselves of our gifting, Mm. of our unique ability to serve because we're preemptively Um, we're preemptively stopping that judgment that may or may not even exist. Yeah. 
I love that concept of the invisible audience, and I've not ever really heard it presented that way. I mean, it's got, when you first started talking about it, I was thinking it was like fear, right? And that, you know, the old, 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 old acronym, false evidence appearing real. Right. But even more so, it's almost like it's not just our fear. It's almost like one person's negativity yes. multiplied times our own fear creates yes. the invisible audience. It's yeah. And so what, what happens is you've got, um, the fear is because you've heard the one voice or the one person that raised their right. eyebrow it or validated their head. your fear because right. one person said it. And we used to outgrow it because we hung out with adults, but now we're online and people are so brave to be trolls and to be ugly and to, to speak up that one, well, you know, this as an author, one negative book review out of 300 can sink you for days. Like it, it invalidates all your work. You question yourself. Sorry, I you don't know what that feels getting... like. I, I have only five star reviews. Well, actually. bless your heart because I've got a one. <laughs> I've got a one star that's so invalid and so rude and ugly that, but that now I have to laugh at it because everybody else is four and five stars. Yeah, and no, so, you're right. But we obsess about the one and then it becomes the, like the old pest control commercial. If there's one that you see, there are thousands that you don't see. Well, the fact is that's the same way about positive people. The one that's outspoken, there are probably 5,000 that are not telling you how great you are or how valid you are or how, you know, X, Y, Z you are. But we tend to magnify the, magnify the invisible audience of the critics because of the one person that was, uh, that had that that toxicity that did speak up. So as a result, before we hit publish or post or submit, um, we have that fear and we let them keep our good work from the world. And that's tragic. That's really, really tragic. Mm. Yeah. Just that you're, you let the, you let that, that, that fear uh, be the thing that holds you back from ever, whatever, sharing your message, pursuing your dream, doing that, (laughs) doing that theme. That is, uh, it's, it's kind of wild. It's actually quite a selfish act, uh, right? To say, you know, God has, God has given me this gift to share, but I am not going to share it because of my own fear about what 1% of the population might say. And so instead I keep it to myself. Right. You know, I don't remember the exact movie, but it was Bruce Willis. And he said, quick, somebody called the way ambulance. When you, when you, Phrase it that way, when somebody hurt my feelings, so I'm going to deprive other people of the gospel, or I'm going to deprive other people of this empowerment or these practical steps. What if somebody was afraid of being criticized because they had found the key to cancer? And so they didn't speak up because of the critics and because of big pharma and because of the backlash. And so as a result, we had people still dying. I mean, that is, it's a selfish act. We have been gifted, uh, you know, it's the talent story. You're being, I, <laughs> I told my best friend recently, I said, whew, I never figured you for a digger. Hmm. He said, what? I said, you're a digger. You're digging and hiding that talent. That's a shame. Hate to hear that. That surprises me. And that's all I had to say because he's familiar with the story, right? We can either multiply the talents, we can at least invest them and get a small return on the investment, or we can dig and hide and bury them, which does not behoove the master. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 
Carrie, this is so insightful, and I think there's some real deep-rooted psychology that we're talking about here that really affects people. I um, I have one uh, random off-the-wall question that I want to ask you. It's Those just, are my favorite. As we were wrapping up. But before we do that, where can people go to get a copy of The Barefoot Executive, read more about you, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So Amazon has my book. Audible is actually, uh, the audio version is actually an award winner. So if you liked, you know, Southern drawl, I do read it. So um, there you go. Um, but you can find it at any, any major online bookseller. Uh, it's also available in Kindle. My site is carriewilkerson.com. I spell Carrie the way Stephen King spelled it way back in the day, the bloody prom queen. Um, and then I'm really active on my Facebook page, which is the barefoot executive. So if you go to Facebook and you search barefoot executive, I'm there too. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's my last question. This is my random question. What is something that you have changed your mind on recently? In other words, you had a definitive opinion about something, you were sure of it, and then something happened to you and you no longer feel the way that you used to feel about whatever that thing was. Hmm. That's a, that's a tough question. Because I probably would have said a couple of years ago that people don't really change their mind. Um, <laughs> but I do believe that the core of all personal development is just a matter of changing your mind. So, um, this, and this will sound very narcissistic and um, selfish, but it is what it is. And I think everybody listening can relate to that. I have always, um, I have just recently changed my mind and decided that I'm beautiful. How's that? Mm. And I know that sounds weird. People that really know my story know that I've lost a ton of weight. Uh, when I was in junior high, wow, ooh, that choked me up. Okay, when I was in junior high, um, I remember a day, and I have a great family. I adore my family. I have all brothers. I asked my mom, Mom, do you think I'm pretty? I was getting out of the car to go into school. Do you think I'm pretty? And she said, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't give birth to a warthog. Now get out and go, to, go into class. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what I needed to hear. I needed to know that I was attractive. I needed to know every preteen girl needs to know that that she's got some features that are beautiful, or at least that she can work with them. And so, so my whole life, I've kind of functioned on the basis of, well, I'm not a warthog, so there's that, right? So, <laughs> but just recently, um, you know, after losing weight and then learning how to work with some tools like you style, lost over and, 120 pounds, 140 now. Yeah. Yeah. I now have lost more than I am. Wow. So yeah. And I just had a photo shoot last week and I'm looking at those photos and I'm like, wow, they did so good. Look how pretty I look. And, and the feedback I'm getting is no, Carrie, that really is you. That really is you. You mm -hmm. are that person. It's not just that you're not a warthog. You are that person. But let me give you another example. I, um, my daughter, Katie is 12 and she's a musical theater actress. She's pretty amazing. And she wants to be on Broadway. And she's always told herself she was not an athlete. She was an artist, not an athlete. She's an artist. Well, she just changed schools and she decided that being on the cheer team would put her in a leadership position, would help her be more visible to new people and would um, get her involved in a deeper level. She didn't just want to be in the crowd and trying to break her way in. So she made a choice to be on the cheer team. She has changed her mind. It's been phenomenal to watch. Within the last two weeks, she has changed her mind that, yes, she is an athlete. 
She has started working out. She started eating differently. She started carrying herself differently. You know, her energy is different. It's been really phenomenal to watch someone change their core belief. And now she'll say she's an artist and an athlete. And so those are two examples. But I I think we have to sometimes, this is an old improv actor trick, but you sometimes have to believe as if um, before it can ever happen. So the Bible says, as a man thinketh, right? As man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's the core of all what people call positive thinking. We have to believe it in order to fulfill it because if we don't believe it, it can never be fulfilled. And even if it is fulfilled, we cannot embrace it and we sabotage it. Think of lottery winners and people that lose and regain and lose and regain weight or that divorce and they go through that same pattern over and over with the same kind of relationships. We have to believe it first changing your mind about who you are or who you aren't or what you can do or what you can't do or what you do deserve or don't deserve. That's the core of all personal development that leads to any kind of greatness in my, in my opinion. Mm, I love that. That is such a powerful thing to, you recently decided that you were beautiful. What an important decision and a true decision, Carrie. What what a great thing. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, um, thanks. I'm 44. It was a long time coming, but the difference it's made to how my girls believe about themselves has been really eye-opening to me. I, I, I really am kind of grieving all those years of me being so critical of myself and selfish about what I was modeling. So, uh, you, you know, and it's also never too late. That's another thing everybody needs to know. It's never too late. You can change your mind about who you are and who you can be even now. We love it. Well, we wish you the best, Carrie Wilkerson. Thank you so much for spending your time here and for being a bright a bright light in the world. And, and uh, we just want to see amazing things continue to happen for you and, and your family. Thanks. Oh, the feeling of overwhelm and keeping up with it all it is it's so much and so much of it what i've what i've realized is that it's a mental game and so i just have five really quick tips for you today about some ideas to help you manage this and um I, you know based on some of the things that carrie was talking about and and i i i share them not as answers um i share them as things that i'm trying to do personally and trying to practice as I try to battle this feeling every single day. And as we have grown and become bigger and uh, more profitable and had more like, um, you know, I don't know, whatever you call it, like awareness or notoriety in the world, there, it, 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 this has gotten harder and harder. It's, this is not something that gets easier and easier. It gets harder and harder. But um, so here's just five things that as I was listening back to the interview with Carrie to maybe help you battle a little bit of the overwhelm. And um, number one is realize the invisible audience is there. I mean, that was huge. When she was talking about that, I, I that just hit me. I was like, gosh, that's so good. Like so often the stress and the pressure that we feel is coming from a figment of our own imagination. We we point to certain people and we say, oh, that my boss or that customer or that you know colleague or whatever, that, that those people are creating pressure on me. But it's like, you know, are they really? I mean, a lot of times they're, they might say some things or they might ask you about something or they might say, gosh, you know, when's that going to be done? And that makes you feel like what you hear is you're not working hard enough. 
um, right? Or you're not working fast enough. And, and you know, I struggle with that. And I'm like, God, I, I freaking, I work like crazy. Like, and I'm a, I'm a machine, like when I'm working. Um, I'm a, but, but you can't help but feel that way. So a lot of times though, people are just asking and, and it's, it's ourselves that are the ones coming up with that pressure, right? We, it's our invisible audience that Carrie called. And I really like that name for it because we're serving this, this invisible audience and, and we give it all these characteristics. So realize the invisible, the invisible audience is there. Number two, um, is availability. Uh, um, this goes right to the procrastinating on purpose, uh, and the focus funnel methodology is she said, you know, we make ourselves too available and, I think that that is true. This is the permission to ignore. Anytime you say yes to one thing, you are simultaneously saying no to an infinite number of others. So it's impossible to go through life never telling somebody no. You're always saying no to something. The question is, what are you saying no to? And it's very hard to tell people no over email or phone call or in person or when somebody asks you for something. Um, but you, you, if you don't say no to some things, you're going to say, you're going to say no, like to the things that, that really matter to you. And so you have to be able to say no in the context of realizing what it's going to cost you if you don't. Um, the third thing coming back to the invisible audience. So now you have, um, this, you, you acknowledge that there's this group out there that has been, um, you know, kind of, this this pressure comes from trying to serve um, these people. And what can be really helpful, I think, with that is to create an alternative positive story about what other people are thinking, right? So in, if if you have the thought, and, and this is totally mental, but this is, this is what success is, right? This is how you overcome any obstacle. Like anytime you have a challenge in your life, you're battling fear, false evidence appearing real. You're battling your creativity working in the wrong direction. Uh, that's what fear is, in, in my opinion, is your creativity working in the wrong direction. And so when it comes to the stress that we feel from time, that's very often what it is. It's our creativity working in the wrong direction. It's, it is convincing ourselves we're not doing enough or allowing us to think that somebody else is, is putting pressure on us or whatever. And what we want to do is, is create an alternative story, an alternative positive story to that, just like we do with anything that scares us or with any challenge, is you start thinking about what would the positive look like. You start um, inventing another theory um, because that's what your, your mind is working off of, this, this creativity, and it's either projecting the worst or you can, you can just as easily turn it uh, to project the best. It's just a matter of intentionality. You know, Carrie and I got into a discussion there a little bit, uh, um, just sort of about how the, the, the brain works and your brain does not delineate at all between positive and negative. Your brain just simply does whatever you tell it to do. So if you are, if you're, letting your brain wander in the direction of how you're not living up to somebody's expectations or why you're not good enough or um, you're worried about what other people think, like in her case, you know, like the moms at the playground, um, then then that is allowing your brain to wander in that direction. It's, it's, it's creativity working in the wrong direction. So create a different, a different positive story. Uh, I mean, I think that is you know, a, a, a whole nother strategy is, is to go, okay, 
well, you, you know, that that look that that person just gave me, right? It, instead of going, oh, that person's judging me right now because you don't know. You don't know, right? Whatever that look was, um, you know, maybe they don't like your outfit or maybe maybe they weren't even looking at you. Maybe they were looking past you or or um, maybe they're just, they had a terrible morning, right? Or maybe they're, 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 they just looked at their kid um, who's bullying someone on the playground and then they happened to look at you and you got the, you know, like you were the receiver of some negative look that had nothing to do with you because there is at least as, as likely a chance that that is, is, is true. So, you have to condition your mind to to create these alternative positive stories because otherwise your mind processes on them and you go insane. You you go crazy um, worrying about what other people are, are thinking about you. Um, the fourth thing, okay, so now you know the uh, invisible audience is there. You're going to try to create an alternative positive story about what other people are thinking because this, I mean, what other people think about us is very often this big force in our life. Um, and it could just be a stranger at the playground, but it could also be your boss, right? It, it could be um, your business partner, your colleague, or your spouse, or your kids, or whatever. Um, but don't forget, and, and this is one of the best pieces of, of advice or quotes, you know, that I heard. It is a rich one, um, which is, you stop worrying what other people think about you when you realize how seldom they actually do. You stop worrying what other people think about you when you realize how seldom they actually do. This is the irony of the whole thing, right? Is that while we're sitting there being uh, wondering, are they judging us? Are they mad at us? Are they frustrated with us? Like we're slowing them down. Are they unhappy, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, in their brain, guess what they're thinking about? the exact same thing except about themselves. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. People are too busy to think about you. They are too consumed with themselves. And the proof is that we're all consumed with ourselves, right? So like while we're sitting there, while you're sitting there, or I'm sitting there having these thoughts about what other people think about me, Meanwhile, they're over there having the exact same conversation in their own brain. People are not thinking about you that much. And they really aren't. And so when we realize that, right, you can just let that die. You can just let it go. You can it can just disappear. And you go, gosh, you know what? I'm not even going to worry about that because they're not, it, it's not real. It's made up. It's a figment of my own imagination. Half of the crap that we fear and struggle with is made up in our own mind. It's not there. And that is fear. False evidence appearing real. Your creativity working in the wrong direction. Um, and then the last little thing. Uh, I just wanted to talk, you know, through this really quick is, is to just do your best because you know what? I, I, I had a day last week where, and I, I, I wrote about this, um, on my blog. It was just, you know, I, I was tired and, and, and maybe you're tired, right? Like it's easy to feel defeated and to be overwhelmed by the incessant, like never ending stream of emails. We can, we feel beaten down. And sometimes I do this, like I just, I feel beat down by the list of tasks and projects that come in, they literally come in faster than I can keep up with them. 
And it's crazy because it's like, I can never seem to be caught up. I can never seem to make a dent. And how is that? Like, how is it that I can work so hard and never be caught up? And even though I work and strive relentlessly and and maximize every single second while I'm working, somehow I still, I can still feel like this, this failure. How is that possible? And the thing that I realized is it's, it's only possible in one moment. It's only possible when you lose perspective. It's only possible when you forget what you're doing. Like when you, when you lose sight of what success really is, because success is not a zero inbox. Success isn't being all caught up. Success isn't feeling like everything is under control. Success isn't responding to every single person's request. It's, it's not, that's impossible. Success is doing the best you can do with what you have available to you, right? Like the definition of success is different for all of us. It, it's there is not a uniform definition. It's doing it's whatever matters to you. It's being the best at whatever you can do, and and it's it's doing your best. It's it is being confident that you're giving all that you have. It's believing that you're laying it on the line, in the pursuit of like worthy causes. You're you're trying to support other people around you, and that if you're doing your best, I mean if you're really doing everything you know how to do. And if you're trying to balance a lot of competing interests, but you're, you're doing your best to do that, then there's nothing to worry about. I mean, what more could people possibly ask for? But it's really not about people, right? It's really about you. You are the invisible audience. You're the one who has unrealistic expectations of yourself. And if you're doing your best, then you have to let yourself go of being the prisoner. You, you have to just say, you know what? I, I will do my best. I let God handle the rest. And I let go. I let God. I, I will work as fast as I can, but as slow as I have to. But I will not trade my happiness and my stress level for the impossible task of trying to keep up with all there is to do. I will simply do my best and know that that is really the only thing I have to do. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst, and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.